It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 464 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, February 12th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, and a bunch of other hosts from across the network chipping in there for a daily show on the national stories around the NBA. We've got weekly contributions from Ben Golliver and Sam Amick over there as well. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On NBA podcast for your national perspective, the local podcast for all your local team-focused perspectives, and you can find them all together neatly organized for your listening pleasure on the Locked on NBA iTunes channel. You can also find each show separately on its own iTunes page or Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever it is you get your podcasts. And if you find a podcast on one of those platforms that you want to support, please make sure you're subscribing to it, rating and reviewing. It is the best way to support the shows. It's deeply, deeply appreciated. And thank you so much for taking the small amount of time it requires to leave one of those ratings or reviews. It uh, really, really helps with the rankings and the algorithms and making us more visible so people can you know check us out and find us more easily. Uh, Locked on Raptors has been kind of up near the top of the sports charts lately which is like all on you guys so thank you so much for all your support and uh, let's keep the momentum rolling here as we get into what is going to be a very Mark Gasoli and fantastic finish to the season uh, so today's show is just myself going solo talking about the Raptors 127-125 win over the Brooklyn Nets last night in Toronto Mark Gasol's first game in Toronto as a Raptor and a, uh, a really fun back and forth game you, people know my opinions on the Nets. I hate the Nets. They're garbage. They play this like high variance style because they have to, and they don't have that much talent, and they start like Travion and Graham at the four. Um, but you know, credit to the Nets. They played really well last night. D'Angelo Russell was awesome. He had 28 points on 10 of 22, 14 assists as well. Joe Harris went off seven of eight from deep, although he missed a pretty crucial uh, two pointer late in the game. Uh, let's just uh, we'll get to that later. But um, this this was a really fun and enjoyable game for many reasons. But I think the number one chief reason why this game ruled was Marcus Gasol. So we'll start there. 
We'll talk about Gasol today. We'll talk about Patrick McCaw having himself a game. We'll talk about uh, the the late game execution from Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green. We'll talk about some of the rotation stuff. And uh, also, I want to maybe play some audio from Mark Gasol as well at some point in this podcast. And then we'll wrap it up with a Toronto Raptors appreciation minute. Yes, normally it's a Kawhi Leonard appreciation minute. I'm just going to wrap it all in together because uh, I'm feeling pretty good about this team right now. It's been a nice couple days. Uh, exciting times. They've randomly won five in a row, which is like the strangest five-game winning streak I can recall. Uh, just so disjointed it feels like they haven't won all those games but they sure have and uh, they're continuing to keep pace or sort of keep pace with the Bucks atop the East Um, the Pacers are on their heels as well so this has been a well-timed winning streak for the Raptors in general anyway let's get to Marcus all holy hell man he is so damn fun and the just sequence the, both, all the sequence with, sequences with Marcus Gasol in this game were good. The first half, he kind of came in and settled things down a little bit in the second quarter with the bench unit. Uh, his screens are obviously so just, like, robust and mean and sometimes illegal, uh, and it kind of just opened everything up. And the second unit, I thought, kind of performed as well as you could hope with no backup point guard. And maybe actually that's the place to start before we get to Gasol. Yesterday, the news came out that Fred Van Vliet is going to miss three weeks or more with a thumb injury. He's in a splint. He's done going to miss some time this came out just after the jeremy lynn news that we addressed yesterday at the end of yesterday's podcast by the way shouts to all the new jeremy lynn related listeners uh, i think the twitter handle for lockdown raptors is uh, experiences bigots one day jump ever because of all the jeremy lynn uh diehards who followed the podcast so thank you for being on board if you're a new listener who's here for jeremy lynn talk uh we won't have much today because he's not playing for the team yet but there will be much jeremy lynn talk to come i'm sure soon because fred van vliet is out And Jeremy Lin's going to have to kind of take on the backup point guard role very quickly here as soon as he gets put in the lineup because uh, last night against the Nets, it was Patrick McCaw and Norm Powell kind of sharing point guard duties with McCaw, I guess, kind of taking the line share of the load there. And it was not awesome. It was, there were flashes of it being very good. Pat McCaw had the insane end-to-end coast-to-coast finish where he got, you know, from foot one to foot 94 in like, I don't know, two and a half seconds. It was great. That was fun to see. He had some nice moments, I guess, of doing some like solid playmaking, but there were also many uh, instances in which Patrick McCaw and Norm Powell threw the ball away, and there were backcourt violations, and errant passes out of bounds because they are not point guards, and that's fine. They aren't. They shouldn't be expected to do point guardy things. Uh, I thought they did the best that they could with what was given to them, and I thought Marcus Gasol came in and kind of helped settle everything down and got those guys some looks when maybe those two were not really capable of of setting the team up. And, you know, the shocking thing about this game, you know, the bench has been so bad all season long. No player on the bench had a negative uh, plus minus in this one. And yes, that's like not a great stat to go by plus minus, but uh, over the course of a full game, usually the Raptors bench guys have been pretty severely in the minuses this season. And the, and the starters usually the ones that kind of prop it up. Not the case in this one. Uh, Powell was a plus seven. Gasol was a plus four. McCaw and Ananobi were both, uh, both evens. And, you know, I thought all of them kind of had little flashes. Powell, this is one of maybe his worst games since coming back from injury uh, in late December. He's been pretty steady, pretty much getting 10 points every single night in kind of a strange metronomic fashion. But uh, it was not his best performance. But Patrick McCaw in this one, 13 points, 5-9 and nine shooting, 1-4 of four from deep, 1 steal, 3 rebounds, 2 steals. Like, he was he was great. He was awesome. He, he really kind of added some life to the second unit. Uh, but it was Gasol who really provided that life. And so let's get into the Gasol stuff here. So he finished with 16 points, six boards, two assists. He has three assists through two games so far. And I believe Anthony Doyle, uh, Raptors internet friend, tweeted out,
out that he has 10 potential assists so far created. Um, so those numbers should kind of come back around once guys are actually used to get getting passes in the pockets that he's giving them. Um, so yeah, still though, great performance from, from Gasol. 16 points, uh, 7-9 shooting as I said, and 6 boards, 2 assists, a steal, a block. His defense, I thought, while there were some instances where we were kind of saw where his sort of lack of maybe vertical rim protection is going to be maybe a bit of a problem, some sort of floater stuff, sort of the same stuff really that Valanciunas was prone to. We just saw such intelligent... Uh, you know, help defense, the stuff where he just kind of slides over into position in front of the rim to, you know, you know, corner off whatever, uh, you know, whatever guard is trying to drive to the rim. He picked up a charge yesterday at 1.2. He's sixth in the league in charges, by the way. Kyle Lowry's first. They're going to take so many charges together. It's going to be delightful, um, unless you're a person who hates the charge rule, and then you will hate it. But um, it's nice to have both of those really intelligent defenders on the same team. And, and yeah, you get to see Gasol's wits defensively kind of just always being on display, always being in the right spot. Um, it was actually funny on the broadcast of the game like at the time where he took the charge he was doing like they were playing the interview he did with Matt Devlin before the game and he was talking about yeah like on defense you just kind of want to always be in the right spot and as soon as he said that he took the charge so kind of telling of what you're getting there from Gasol defensively but let's get to the stuff that was really exciting from Gasol which was the fourth quarter baby um this was a just delightful sequence from Marc Gasol. There were so many, you could write a whole post about like the 10 coolest things Marc Gasol did in this part of the game. Kind of doing with some like mismatched lineups. He had Danny Green out there for most of the, most of the time. Um, and, and Danny Green and him, I think, are going to be really nice uh, partners. I mean, the Raptors are just so smart. They have so many smart players on the court, uh, no matter who is out there, whether it's Gasol, whether it's Green, Lowry, Leonard, even Siakam. Like, a lot of really intelligent basketball players out there. And when you have two of them together with like a bunch of other guys, it doesn't really even matter if you have a point guard out there or not. They're still able to do some really great things. And Gasol, he threw like a beautiful pass to a cutting Siakam at one point point he hit a three at one point um he hit the the the, I guess the biggest play from him the sexiest play at least was the out of bounds baseline play where Patrick McCaw throws it into him and then he goes no look to McCaw under the basket for a dunk or a layup whatever it was it's just like that's the kind of stuff I know you can quibble as to whether or not Valanciunas is the better player than Gasol at this point if you're an efficiency person who's all about getting buckets with the fewest amount of possessions required then yeah you're probably going to be a Valanciunas person but I think for what this team needs and we talked about this yesterday with James Herbert like Gasol is just connective tissue that kind of ties everything together. And I think we saw that when he was out there with the starters groups, with it when he was out there with the bench guys, or, you know, the mishmash lineups. He's just always kind of the hub of whatever's going on. And he just, I, he's one of those guys. Like, it's very cliche, but he makes people better. And uh, as much as I think Jonas Valanciunas is fantastic, I don't think he was really the kind of guy who was making his teammates better at all times. He was very good in his own right. But, you know, aside from, like, being a very good screener for Kyle Lowry and setting him up that way, and Lowry his numbers always being better when he was out there he wasn't really doing his part to sort of play make and set guys up and make sure everyone's kind of eating on the court um you know it was kind of if if Valanciunas is asked to eat he's going to eat and not really share what's on his plate so Gasol is going to do that Gasol is going to spread it around Gasol is going to pass out of the pick and roll he's going to fire like insane skip passes he threw one pass to OG from the left wing over to the right corner that was just like how do you even see that? Gasol had like a dude all over him. He was kind of falling away and still threw this pass right to OG. OG missed the three, but McCaw and Powell kind of came together for an offensive board. And I think McCaw finished it off um, or, or Powell finished it off. And it was just like beautiful, beautiful stuff from Gasol. 
and like the response the the standing ovation he got when he came out everything that he did in the game like it just got me really really excited even more so than sort of the 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 underhand cross-court pass he threw to Kyle Lowry against the Knicks on Saturday everything he did in this one was just like okay I'm all in on the Marcus Saul era and I think a lot of people are kind of with me now um he played 22 minutes in this game which I guess is kind of the question going forward right we talked about this yesterday but James we talked about this uh when the trade broke on Thursday with Josh Howe like this is going to be very interesting how this all plays out still have not kind of found the minutes distribution that I thought we were going to see between Ibaka Gasol and Pascal Siakam Siakam played 35 minutes against the Nets I wouldn't even mind seeing that you know pared down a little bit and sort of give some extra minutes to Gasol I don't mind seeing the Ibaka Gasol front court though the Nets are probably not the team to do it against because as I mentioned they're playing Travion Graham at the four and a bunch of other guys who are small and not like Rondé Hollis Jefferson um you know they're not going exactly huge so maybe it's not the team to do it against but I do think we will see at some point the Gasol Ibaka front court out there maybe that helps sort of redistribute the minutes a little bit better but even then Gasol played 22 minutes in this game he played some pretty high leverage minutes in the fourth quarter as it was a really close game the Nets were hitting a million threes and the Raptors kept you know sort of striking back offensively and pretty much every offensive possession late in the game was running through Gasol so uh, really impressed by that and it was just a, a delight to watch let's actually hear from Marc Gasol after the game last night. Um, eventually, yeah, I think in the third quarter, once, um, you know, you get the ball more in your hands and, and you start to make reads and understanding, um, what the defense is trying to do and, and guys moving around, um, obviously, you know, you get more comfortable. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, you got a, a little better than in game one and it's going to continue to get better slowly. Um, there's going to be some ups and some downs, um, but defensively I thought that, you know, we... We try to do the right thing, and everybody's communicating and uh, and trying to fix mistake mistakes. In the, in the fourth quarter, you really were pretty locked in there. It seemed like in that even a stretch you were in. Was there anything that, that changed for you out there? And is, was that kind of an example of what you can do when you are kind of playing at your best? Um, I, I definitely got more comfortable, and uh, and uh, and obviously, you know, there's a few things I can do on the floor on both ends, and uh, and but mostly it's just. Um, making plays on both ends. It's, it's, uh, if it's uh, you know communicating or taking away something that the other guys want to do um, on the defensive end and offensively, it's um, being able to score, stretch the floor, or pass, um, not not allowing the defense to just uh, be you know predict what you're going to do. Yeah, Yeah, when you see the ball go through net uh, a couple times. Um, you know, you, you start to feel good, and, and you see your teammates and your coaches getting excited as well. So um, it's a good, it's a cool moment to have, obviously. Um, but you know, at the end, I got a little tired uh, <laughs> um, and uh, had to come out. Nick was saying that he thinks your passing is sort of contagious. Do you feel that when you're out there, guys looking to move the ball, or when when you're looking to move the ball? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, he's he's the coach. He knows his players, and he's know he knows what he's seen before. Um, I'm an unselfish player by nature. When I see a pass, um, somebody open, uh, regardless who it is, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw it to them. And, uh, and, and I encourage guys to keep moving and moving without the ball because if, if they get behind, you know, their defender or defender made a mistake, uh, you know, we're going to make them pay for it. Um, and the thing is, we haven't really practiced yet as a team. Um, so, you know, all the little um, chemistry things and uh, ins and outs and, uh, 
and cheat plays that we can do, uh, you know, still really early. And, uh, and you know, we, we just lost Fred, so the, the thing that we had going on from the first game, um, you know, today was a little different. Um, so everything, everything is going to be an adjustment. So that's Marc Gasol from last night's postgame. A lot of focus on that eight-minute stretch, of course, which for good reason. It was dope. He was amazing. He had the two running hooks. He had uh, all those little plays just kind of setting things up for Siakam or Lowry or Danny Green or whoever it was just kind of being, again, the hub of the offense. And another thing that kind of stuck out to me there was that he said that he got a little tired. And that's not surprising. He played from the end of the third quarter into the fourth, played like 12 or 13 straight minutes, I believe, by my count. Didn't come out till about four minutes left in the fourth quarter. And that is kind of going to lead Dovetail into just the the whole starters debate. And this, maybe this is, doesn't have to be a debate. Maybe this is like Nick Nurse kind of just weaning Surge off of the high minutes totals and kind of just working his way back into the bench. I'm not sure what it is, but I do think at some point Marcus Gasol is going to be the starter for this team at center, and it's going to make the Raptors better. It's just like... To have that guy out there with all of the guys who have been sort of disjointed this season and all these guys who are insanely smart and talented and good at shooting and all, and cutting and all this stuff, like it just seems to make a lot of sense to have Gasol out there kind of running things from the elbow, spacing things out a little bit, and just kind of offering a different look from Ibaka. And it just, if you're going to have Gasol play crunch time minutes, I would rather him be playing the last four or five minutes as opposed to having to come out for those last four or five minutes because he's been playing with the bench. So just sub-pattern wise, it makes, it's it's like the Patrick Patterson thing, right? It's the, and it's the reason why I'm okay with Siakam starting, even though maybe he's better with the bench or is needed on the bench more than he is with the starters. Like you want your best players out there as much as you can. And this is how the playoffs are going to work. And yes, maybe it's riding them a little bit too hard in the regular season, though. I think they've done a pretty good job with all the rest days for Kyle and, and Kawhi and just time they've all missed. Like, I think they've done a pretty good job of limiting the minutes totals and, and, and the exposure for these guys guys but like you, you want your best players on the court as much as you possibly can have them out there and Gasol I'm sorry is just a better player than Ibaka and it feels gross to say because Ibaka was great last night he had 18 and 12 he was 9 to 13 had two blocks like he's awesome and I, I, it's 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 not like an easy thing to just move him out of the starting five but Gasol is just a better player and a guy who kind of offers things to that starting five that they desperately need. Good screening, space that is sort of opened up, and another stretchy option who, I mean, Serge is like one of his last 25 from three. Eventually that's going to be a serious liability, and Gasol just kind of just brings it all together. He's just like the sauce that brings the dish together, right? And I think it is only a matter of time before he does start. And I think it's necessary for him, too, if you want to get the best out of that starting five. And, you know, I think we saw in that stretch from the, the late of the, of, the, of the fourth quarter, there, those eight minutes he was in there, it was just everything looked a little bit better. The starting five still is with Gasol in for Ibaka is still barely played together in two games. It's been three minutes overall. Um, so you can't really judge anything, though. They are like a plus 100 net rating with a 50 defensive rating in those three minutes. Obviously, insanely small sample. Can't look too much into it. But um, I, I do think that... It, it is going to end up being the Raptors' best lineup because Gasol can kind of play against everybody. If you're looking at the matchups that are coming up in the East, he can play against Al Horford, especially this like old, decrepit version of Al Horford. And if you can't play him against Al Horford, the Raptors starters with Ibaka have been excellent. Um, he's going to play against Joel Embiid because of his post-defense, and it's so necessary to have out there, and also necessary to have Embiid dragged away from the basket as much as he can as well with Gasol out there, too. So he's going to play in that matchup, and he's going to play against Rob or against Brooke Lopez, too, in in a potential Bucks series as well. Um, again, to drag Lopez out. Lopez has been great, kind of hanging back and just sort of being the last line of defense for the Bucks 
this year. If you drag him out into space with Gasol and you can kind of pick out passing lanes behind him, like that is going to be necessary. So, so Gasol is going to play there too. It's also going to deter the Bucks from the style of defense they played against the Raptors so far this season where it's been, all right, uh, we're just going to let Ibaka shoot 20 times a game. Like you don't want that to be the case. As great as Ibaka has been, if he is the hub of your offense, that is not what you want. If Gasol is the hub of your offense, then you're, I think you're laughing. So um, because of all this, because he got tired and wasn't able to close out the game because he'd played 13 straight minutes because of how everything just works a little bit more crisply when he's out there. I think we have to see Gasol go to the starting lineup pretty soon. And then that creates interesting questions for the bench unit. Um, and we'll kind of, we can kind of dive into that stuff in just a sec, but first we want to take a quick break and remind you to check out the Locked On Podcast Network on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On NBA Net on both Twitter and Instagram, same handle on Twitter. We're, we have all of the different hosts on one network, uh, sorry, on one Twitter feed being retweeted into the same account. You don't have to follow all 60 hosts from the network. You can just follow the one account. You're getting all of those fresh basketball-related tweets, fresh podcasts, everything into one feed. And then on Instagram, make sure you're following at Locked On NBA Net there. You're getting little 30 to 60 second snippets of the podcast from the biggest stories of the day around the league uh, if you want to go listen to the full podcast great if not you still have a little condensed take there with some video along with it on your instagram feed to liven that up a little bit so make sure you're following the locked on podcast network on twitter and instagram no matter what moves you made last year TurboTax experts make them count did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse that's a move did you go back to school to get your degree that's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Okay, let's get to the bench question for a second. This obviously becomes a little bit more tricky because Fred Van Vliet's out and the bench rotation is going to be, you know, challenged a little bit more. You know, Pat McCaw might be a sort of a, a piece that we weren't expecting to be involved in the second unit a little bit more often. And if Ibaka's going to the second unit, that's going to sort of change how the dynamics of that work too. Uh, and obviously Jeremy Lin is going to be a big factor in how the second unit works too, especially with Fred out for three weeks. Jeremy Lin's importance is going to kind of be paramount. Um, and if Ibaka's going to the second unit, first of all, like I said with James yesterday, like they can, the Raptors are at the luxury where they can play two of their five best players pretty much at all times. They don't have to go straight hockey subs, which I don't think they will. They haven't really done that lately. Uh, Nurse has done a good job of kind of mixing guys in. And because the rotation is just shorter now with guys you can really trust, I think it makes a lot of sense to just sort of keep it to nine and just have certain guys sub in and out and go mishmash lineups when you can and just try to get your best guys on the floor when you're closing a game. Um, and again, that becomes easier if Gasol's starting and same with Siakam and all this stuff. So um, in, in terms of Ibaka going to the bench, I think the biggest criticism or concern with that is how is he going to work without Kyle Lowry? And like, yes, Ibaka's been fantastic with Lowry this season, but I think that kind of undersells the work Ibaka's done independent of Lowry and sort of just sort of cheapens all that. It kind of just makes it sound like he's totally dependent on Lowry for anything he does good. And that's just not it. Like, he does a lot of things well on his own. He's been very good in times where Kyle Lowry's been out. 
And I think with Jeremy Lin as his pick and roll partner, Lin I think is a bit more of a heady decision maker, a fast decision maker than Fred Van Vliet is. Again, we've seen Van Vliet this season kind of get a little bit dribble happy um, when he's on the ball, but is maybe best as an off-ball secondary attacker type guy. If we have Lin come in, if you see Lin come in and he can kind of be that guy for Ibaka who is setting him up in the pick and pop, that right there is like a pretty good one-two for a bench unit's offense where you have those guys, Lin is not like an amazing shooter, but he's passable. Uh, you have Abaku, who's a great pick and pop guy, and then if you surround that with Van Vliet when he's back, and Powell and McCaw right now while they're he- while, while they're not healthy, or you mix in some Danny Green with those second units too, which I think makes a lot of sense because he kind of lifts all tides as well. He's kind of like role player Kyle Lowry in that regard, where it was just when he's on the court, things that are good usually happen. Um, I think you can kind of get by and, and have enough shooting out there and enough sort of pop offensively and not give up too much defensively. I think Lynn, not like an amazing defender by any means, but like he's got a, a little bit more size than Fred Van Vliet. Maybe he's less prone to sort of bigger guards kind of torching him there. And again, this is all against second units ideally too. So there should be no real issue there with with with, with having Jeremy Lynn sort of be the conductor of the second unit offense until, Kyle, uh, until Fred comes back. And even when that happens, I think having Lynn be the go-to ball handler and having Fred hang out off ball the way we wanted to see from DeLon Wright and Fred all season long, I think that's the way to go about it. And I think you're going to have the trade-off where, yes, maybe the the second unit becomes a little less potent if you don't have Gasol out there because of sort of his stabilizing presence. But I think if you have Gasol and the starters, they're going to be so good that it's going to balance out not having like this like obliterating bench, which they haven't had all season anyway. So I don't think it's like that big a risk to sort of change things up and just have Ibaka be the, the go-to backup center. And he's still going to play a lot. Like, I think you want to try to limit Gasol's... You don't want to have him playing 35 minutes a game. He's 34 years old, and you have the playoffs coming up, and you want to sort of make sure that everyone's kind of healthy and ready to go when you get to the postseason. So, like, you can still manage the minutes of these guys and not have them overworked, but I just think Gasol's fit with the starters, and and Ibaka's, I think, ability to survive and subsist without Kyle feeding him a constant stream of pick-and-pop jumpers. Um, I think Lynn can do that just fine. I think that's kind of what you what the Raptors should be aiming for here. Where McCaw fits into all this, I'm not really sure. He was really good last night, but his shooting is not great. Uh, he's never been a great three point shooter, sort of around 33% or lower for his career. Uh, and you know, he's a nice little attacker. He's a great defender. Like he's very annoying defensively, despite being so like slim and maybe easy to push around. But he's been awesome at just like a pest getting in dudes' faces. So I, I think like I'd be down to see more McCaw. Just how it all fits in, I'm not entirely sure. We'll see what also happens with the rest of the buyout market. There's still one spot to fill. Whether they end up doing that Ben McLemore thing and signing him to a 10-day or a full-season deal, I'm not sure I really want Ben McLemore figuring into the second unit, but he's a better shooter than McCaw is, and even Powell um, can kind of be up and down with his fluctuations too, so maybe he'll get some run in there. But I think you know the, the second unit shouldn't be that big a problem. Once again, getting Gasol in the starting five, I think, should be priority number one, and you kind of figure things out from there. Just play your best players together, man. It's, it's great. And like the thing with Gasol too, just one more note on him. I know I've gone along about him, but like, God damn it, he's great. Um, you like, you watch a guy maybe once a week, once every couple weeks when he's not on your team, when there's no emotional investment or fan ties involved. And it's like, yeah, that guy's really fun and cool. Like great passing. Nice. Uh, love the Grizzlies. They're really fun. Then you see him play for your team and like be the connective tissue that the team so badly needs. And it's like, 
goddamn, th this is real, this is cool, and I just want to see as much of it I as, as much of it as I possibly can. And I do think we'll eventually start to see that with Gasol getting into the starting five. Whether he starts against the Wizards on Wednesday or whether they want to give him the all-star break to just kind of watch up all the tape and get caught up with everything, all the coverages and everything, and just give him some more time to practice before they come back and play the Spurs the week after. Uh, I'm not sure, but I do think eventually we're moving towards that. And, like, I don't... There's not like a crazy rush just yet because I think just a few games with him at center with the starting five will eventually kind of yield good results in chemistry. But, you know, there's only 24 games left. If you want to try to maximize the amount of time these guys are going to play together, having Gasol in there as soon as possible and just not running with the same lineup that we know what the, this lineup is. We know what a Baca at center with the starters is. And frankly, it's been not very good the last couple months. It's a, like a negative 3.3 net rating since December 1st. Um, and, and that's just like you don't want that to be your go-to leaned on lineup if it's not going to be blowing teams out and when you're a contender your most go-to and counted on lineups should be just just throttling teams that's what it should be and I think Gasol with the starters will end up doing that and so as much as Abak has done a wonderful job with the starters like moving him out and getting more time with the new starting five that we all want to see uh, is going to be paramount I think to sort of get that data sample before we go into the postseason to make sure it is good even though I'm pretty sure it will be um, so yeah that's where I'm at on that and uh, we can move on to the next thing but first I want to remind people to check out their podcast on smart speakers or in your car if you have voice activation in your car make sure you're checking out the log po locked on podcast network in there just say to your car like hey car the Honda Civic or whatever I drive I'm not a car person um, play podcast locked on Raptors it'll play in your car for you play it on your Alexa on your Google Home, on your Apple Home speaker, whatever the hell that one's called. Just call out the podcast, say, hey, Alexa, play podcast Locked on Raptors, and guess what? Alexa's going to play your podcast, and it's going to be great, and you don't have to press a button. You can just play it while your chores are doing, or you're doing your chores or whatever's going on in your house. Uh, it's really convenient, so please make sure you're checking out the Locked on Podcast Network on your smart speakers or in your car. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, last thing here. I want to just dive into a little bit of a Toronto Raptors appreciation minute, not just Kawhi Leonard. I know I've been doing the Kawhi Leonard appreciation minute quite a bit this season, but, uh, you know, Kawhi kind of had his hands very much in the end of the game, and so he's going to very much factor into all this, but... Just, like, the intelligence of the guys on this team and, like, the experience that the top five or six guys in the Raptors now have, it's all very enticing, and I can't wait to see how it all comes together. Just so many smart dudes. Like, crunch time. The Raptors are kind of at the mercy of the Nets hitting a million threes. They're up 120, 124 at one point, or 114 at one point. They hit two threes back-to-back. -back. One of them, I believe, highly contested, or maybe both of them. Like, the, the, D'Angelo Russell's three was insane. Like, this high-arcing, beautiful rainbow that goes in. Um, despite being completely covered. Like, the, the Nets, credit to them. They hit a bunch of threes. Good job on your high variance strategy working out there, Nets. But I thought the Raptors' crunch time execution of this one was really kind of subtle, but also really impressive. So there was the play when it's all, when it's 125-122 Nets, and they, the Raptors come down, and the Nets are playing a zone, and you have Danny Green on the right wing, Kyle up top, and then Kawhi on the left wing. And they're just kind of tossing it back and forth between the three of them for a little bit, and then... 
Kawhi gets the ball after a Kyle pass, and Kyle makes this, this like little smart cut, kind of crosses the wires of the two Nets defenders for a second, and brings Danny Green's defender towards Kawhi, so Kawhi kind of has two guys on him for like a brief flash moment in time, and, Ka- and Kawhi dishes it over to Danny Green, Danny Green puts it up, hits the three, ties it up at 125, and then I liked the decision going the other way, after Joe Harris missed the two that would have put the Nets up by two with uh, you know 28 seconds left or so, uh, or maybe 24 seconds, I guess the shot clock was off, the Raptors come down, and you can quibble a little bit if you want with the shot going up with 4.2 seconds left and giving the Nets a chance to win, maybe not the best time management there, but I thought the way the Raptors sort of sliced open the zone, where they had, where Kyle, you could see him sort of just like preparing the play. It wasn't a straight ISO because it's kind of hard to do that against a zone because of all the help defense that's kind of waiting um, and no one's going to move with their men or, 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 whatever, or whatever it is, but um, you have Kyle come up and Kawhi just kind of cuts a little bit under his guy and just sort of gets into the teeth of the defense right in front of Jared Allen and Jared Allen's a nice player but like at 18 feet I'm not sure I want him being the one to contest a shot to try to get out so Kawhi cuts in there Kyle throws a beautiful little bounce pass Kawhi dribbles and hit goes off glass to win and I just thought that was a really smart and quick and like it doesn't have to be that complex especially when you're up against the zone like it doesn't have to be that crazy intricate to get an open shot late in the game like that was just like a smart use of Kawhi's ability to go one-on-one and drag out a defender who's maybe not equipped to be dragged out to 18 feet, and and Kyle just sort of finding a nice little pocket in the defense. I just thought it was perfect and beautiful. And this Raptors team, man, it's insanely smart. Kawhi, Danny, Serge, uh, maybe not as much Serge. I don't want to say he's not smart, but he's not maybe on the sort of crazy high IQ level of a Kyle or a Green or a Leonard or a Gasol. But, like, there's just a lot of intelligence on this team, and I think it's really great. Also, a lot of experience. I went through um, and was looking at the top five guys in terms of Raptors playoff experience. Gasol, Leonard, Green, uh, Abaka, and Lowry. They have, like, a combined 417 playoff games together. They have, like, three or, I guess, five finals appearances between them all, between Danny and, and Kawhi going to two and Abaka going to the one. Um, they have Gasol going to the conference finals. They have Lowry in the conference finals. They have endless conference finals for Abaka and Leonard and Green. Like this is a deeply experienced team, and I, that kind of gives me a lot more hope than maybe I had. Uh, you know, kind of about the Raptors' playoff hopes. I know a lot of people still tie the past successes or lack thereof of the of the Raptors in the postseason to just like the Raptors jersey and I think no matter what who was in those jerseys people are going to be like oh yeah but they can't win in the playoffs whatever they're 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 disgusting they're they're losers they choke whatever this is an entirely different team with so many dudes who have been through wars and like three of the guys who came in this year are three of the most experienced guys you could possibly want so I am uh really really pumped for how this is all going to look and transpire and I think this team is going to be very quick for the playoffs both because they're very smart and because they're just deeply deeply experienced that is my Kawhi Leonard slash Raptors appreciation minute for the day um I don't even know where I was going with that it just felt exciting and, and I wanted to talk about the experience this team has because my god it is uh this has been a fanboy ass podcast holy hell um, I usually try to not be that. I'm, I'm optimistic, yes, but I usually try to like not be totally over the top fanboy. But man, it's hard not to be pumped right now. It's a it's a really exciting time. They've won five in a row, like I said off the top, even though it seems like they haven't, and it's been very disjointed and strange. And they've done it with different groups of players. Um, there was a, a huge trade involved in the middle there. It, it's all been very bizarre and different and new, but it's. Uh, 
it's been great to watch. This is kind of the stuff you are a fan for, right? Is the end of the season uh, of, a, of a very all-in season as well, where things are kind of coming together, and this team is very much uh, putting all their basket eggs into this basket for this season. And it's uh, it's nice to see it all kind of come together. And yes, they only beat the Nets by two, and only beat the Knicks by five. But I think the process behind it is very good. The Nets are a good team, man. As much as I hate their asses, like I, I just oh god, I hate their guts so much. But they play really hard, and they hit 20 of 41 threes. The Raptors are just the 15th team ever to win a game while giving up 20 threes, which is, uh, seems honestly high <laughs> that there are that many of those teams, but the Raptors are on that list now, so kudos to them too. And uh, yeah, this has been great. Uh, it's it's just an enjoyable time, and thanks to anyone who's a new listener, listener joining along and uh, getting in on the action with the podcast and the rest of the season. We're going to have you covered here very extensively from here to the end of the season, so thank you very much. Uh, a programming note, though. Uh, this Friday, I am leaving to go to Red Deer, Alberta for the Canada Winter Games. I'm doing some play-by-play work out there. Um, I should have time to get the podcast recorded on certain days next week. Um, it's not guaranteed as to when I'm going to be totally available, and it's going to kind of be hit or miss. It is All-Star Week, so it'd probably be a lighter week for podcasts anyway, but uh, the week after, I'm also still out in Red Deer. I'm there for two weeks, so I will try to get as many podcasts in as I possibly can. If there is a time where there's def- you know pressing need for a pod, and I am not available Vivek Jacob is going to stand in for me admirably as well and uh, so you can expect at least some sort of content coming through even if it's not from me Vivek is very good and probably better than me so um, he's got that Yahoo post game show experience now so he'll be more than equipped to fill in for me if needed Um, so stay tuned for that in the coming weeks uh, just in case I'm not around Um, if you want to watch Canada Games stuff please uh, I'll be tweeting out links to the stuff I'm calling I'm doing some hockey some ringette some snowboard cross shit like that so uh, if you're interested in that, please consider uh, watching me out there. But that's it uh, for the programming note there. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in. And we'll be back again on Thursday with or Wednesday with another episode. We'll do something. I'm not sure what just yet. Also going to have a Patreon podcast coming out with Dan Grant later today. Uh, we're going to be doing a uh, rundown of the five worst trades in Raptors history. So that should be dark and depressing uh, in this typically very positive time. And uh, you can listen to that at patreon.com slash Sean with the Raptors. $5 will get you access to that one. Two bucks get you access to uh, two podcasts a month. This one will not be a $2 one, I don't think. The mailbag is usually the $2 ones, but um, if you want to get on the action there, throw me a couple bucks, support, and uh, and you know show that you care. Please consider uh, chipping a couple bucks to the Patreon page. It's deeply, deeply appreciated, and uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.